Amen. Well, you can go ahead and have a seat. Again, welcome. It's great to have you here. Welcome to those who are joining online. If you don't know me, my name is Brian Wiles. I'm one of the pastors here. And, uh, you know, Father's Day, as we've been talking about, is a pretty powerful day. I was thinking about this thought, and um, it's, it's really wild, and it's really, you know, humbling to realize that those of us that are fathers, we share a name with the God of the universe. You know, God invites us to call him Father, and how powerful is it that we also share that name, those of us who are fathers. And so on this day, we want you to know that we appreciate you, we value you, and uh, we hope that you are encouraged. You know, as a father myself, sometimes I I feel like I'm just totally knocking it out of the park. I feel like I could write a book on this subject and people should probably read it. Um, and then there's other times where I feel like I have no clue what I'm doing and, uh, and I definitely shouldn't be writing books or giving any advice at all about fatherhood. And so I say that because uh, whether you're a father or not, those of us who are, there, there is a weight and there is a responsibility that comes. And so I hope that you're able to encourage the father in your life uh, during this time and uh, know that it truly is an important day. You know, as we're gathered together here today, even in that line of thinking, we are continuing this series that we're calling Be the Church. We started about four weeks ago when we started to uh, invite people back in, those of us who are comfortable to gather in person, and we talked about this reality that as you look at the pages of Scripture, church is not just a building, it's not even just a gathering, although that is something that the church is called to do, but church, as you look at the pages of scripture is actually something that those of us who call ourselves followers of Christ and those of us who are walking with Jesus, church is something that we not only go to, but church is something that we are. Church is is a family of believers that are invited to do life together and to serve one another and to love one another. And so throughout this series, Be the Church, that we're spending our time in this summer, we're looking at these one another commands. Uh, Throughout the pages of the New Testament, Jesus and some of the other apostles who wrote the New Testament, they would give these one another commands to followers of Christ who were were seeking to be the church, and and there were about 59 different one another commands, things like love one another, care for one another, bear one another's burdens, these different one another commands that you can only do when you are in community, that you can only do is you're not just gathering together, but you're living out the mission that God has called you to live out. And so today, even in light of Father's Day, we're talking about a very important one another command. We're talking about this command to encourage one another. Encourage one another. And the pages of Scripture tell us that it's important. It's imperative. These aren't just suggestions that we should maybe think about or consider doing. They are, we're being told, almost commanded, that this is essential to being a follower of Christ and living in right community with God and others to encourage one another. And so even with that being said, the big idea today that we're going to kind of unpack and explore as we look at the pages of Scripture together is this, that biblical encouragement is much more than a compliment. Biblical encouragement is much more than just a compliment. You see, a compliment is is nice. Oftentimes, a compliment will will be about something on the surface. Maybe it's a talent that we have, or maybe it's something to do with our appearance. And compliments are good. We should give one another compliments uh, from time to time. They're they're nice, and it's good to be nice to one another. But, But biblical encouragement is much 
deeper than just a compliment. You know, even thinking about the difference between a compliment and encouragement, I was thinking about a compliment that I gave my wife uh, not too long ago, a few months ago. It, it was this this kind of backfire of a compliment. And, and it, it was this right during the season when COVID was starting to really ramp up and we're starting to figure out what, you know, this new normal that everybody's talking about is going to look like. And so uh, we're starting to re- realize at least in some cases we're going to need to wear a mask. And, and a lot of us, you know, we don't just want to wear like the, the surgical boring mask. We want to have something a little bit cooler. And so my wife was looking around online. She she realized that our old neighbor, she was making masks. And so we ordered some masks mask from this girl that we knew that made these, you know, these design masks. And so she goes and picks up the mask. She comes back home and she goes into the bedroom and she puts the mask on and she comes out of the bedroom. And I'm just like, wow, you look so beautiful right now. And she's like, um, thanks. You know, I don't, I don't know how I'm supposed to respond to that. And I'm like, well, no, I just, I mean, I mean, I think the way the mask looks is great. And she's like, well, what looks great, Brian? You know, is it the mask? Is it me? And of course, she didn't really do that. But as we started like thinking about it, it's your eyes. That's what it is. It brings out your eyes. So I, I gave her this compliment that kind of backfired a little bit. And of course, we joke about that. But, but oftentimes compliments hit on the surface of what things are. But, but encouragement is something much deeper. And biblical encouragement is rooted in this idea and is shared with the hopes that it will lift someone's heart closer to the Lord. They're not just nice words. They're meant to direct us closer to God. Biblical encouragement it points out the evidence of God's grace in another person's life. And it helps them to see how God has wired them, what they mean to the body of Christ, and how God has made them, and how God can use them. Biblical encouragement, it points a person to God's promises. And it assures them that no matter what they're facing in life, that God is in control and that he can be trusted. And this is what we're called to do for one another. So today I want to look at just three points from, from this passage in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 that helps us to understand what real biblical encouragement looks like. And the first thing is this, that the biblical encouragement, it builds others up rather than tears others down. Biblical encouragement builds others up rather than tears others down. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 11 is kind of our key text that we'll look at today. It says this. It says, therefore, and we're going to come back to that therefore here in a minute. Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up, just as in fact you are doing. I'm going to use a little sarcasm here just in case you couldn't pick up on it. As you look around our world, we are so good at this right now, aren't we? I mean, anywhere you go, when I jump on my phone or, or I go out in the world, like, I'm just constantly being built up. When I jump on Facebook, I am totally built up nonstop. Of course, that is not the case. You know, we live in a world that sadly oftentimes is doing the opposite of this. And if we're not careful, we can get drug into it. But I oftentimes wonder, you know, even just thinking about this passage and this command and this imperative that we're giving, to encourage one another, what would it look like? I mean, what would it really look like? What would our world really look like if every single person who claims the name of Jesus, every single person who says that they're following Jesus would actually live this out? Would our world be as negative as it is right now? 
If all of us who are walking with, with, with the Lord looked at this passage and took it seriously, the way that we live our lives, that we would make a primary concern of ours to encourage one another and build one another up, wouldn't our world look so much different and be so much more enjoyable to live in? See, why does God command us to encourage one another? I think he, he, he commands us to do that because he knows that when encouragement is absent from the church, people are going to feel unloved. When encouragement isn't there, people will feel unimportant. People will feel like they don't matter. They will feel useless. They will feel forgotten. And so encouragement is central in our reality of being able to point people towards God. God knows his people need these grace-filled reminders of the beauty that exists in him and his family. That's how it looks to be the church. And I was thinking about uh, the relationships that are so central in our life and how important encouragement is to them. I was thinking about my marriage. I was thinking about my, my marriage with Sarah. And, and by God's grace, I can say we have such a strong marriage and such a strong foundation. And we communicate well and we love one another well. But like any marriage, we have discussions sometimes, maybe disagreements. Sometimes some of us might call them arguments. And, and so we have seasons in our relationship from time to time like every marriage does. Those of us who are married know where we may not always be seeing eye to eye or may not always feel as close as we would like to be feeling. And I was thinking about how we resolve those, those moments and those times. And almost every time, at the end of one of those seasons, what it comes down to is us sitting down, getting face to face, and talking about the reality that we simply need to encourage one another more. Oftentimes when we're having disagreements because one or the other person is focused on what the other person is doing wrong and their weaknesses and their shortfallings. And of course, we need to be able to, to call out weaknesses in one another in a loving way, but we also need to be able to encourage one another more and more. And so as we have these discussions, we almost always loop back to the reality of, you know what, I just need encouraged right now. I, I just need to know what I'm doing well so that I can do it a little bit more. I need pointed towards the Lord. I need encouragement. And as I think about that in our marriage, I think that's so true in relationships, and it is so true in the church. Can we build one another up as the scriptures tell us to do? It's not something that will come naturally to many of us. It's something that we'll have to do intentionally, and that's why God commands us to do it. And I just want to say a quick little note uh, on social media as well, because as you think about this reality that we live in, it's kind of a newer phenomenon, right? That, that there is this world that exists that almost feels like an alternative universe to many of us. But, but the reality is, like, we are connected to the social media that we have. We are connected to the screens. It's a representation of who we are. So what we post on social media actually does matter. And so we can't just jump behind our screen and assume that the things that the Word of God teaches us don't apply to those moments, because they certainly do. So can I just give you an encouragement to, to use your screens wisely? To apply this scripture, not just to a person when you're face-to-face -face standing before them, but to apply the words of scripture in every part of your life. Whether you're on your phone or on your computer or sitting across the table from somebody, 
What does it look like to build one another up? Would you use your your platforms, your social media online presence to actually build one another up? Wow, how different would our world be if, if we as followers of Christ would live this out? It doesn't stop once we turn on our screens. In fact, it continues as we seek to make God known to the people around us. Let's jump back into the text. I want to look at the second point. It's this. The biblical encouragement, it helps us fix our eyes on what truly matters. So biblical encouragement, it's about building others up, but it also helps us fix our eyes on what truly matters. That, that first text that we looked at, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 11, Paul says, therefore encourage one another. And we talk about this, but whenever we study the Bible, you want to, and there's a therefore there, you want to ask, what's a therefore, therefore? So what was written before that phrase that we need to encourage one another? What was written before that that tells us, therefore, we need to encourage one another? Well, let's look at this passage, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 1. This is said right before Paul commands us to encourage one another. He says, now, brothers and sisters, about the times and the dates that we do not need to write to you, For you know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying peace and safety, destruction will come on them suddenly. As labor pains on a pregnant woman, they will not escape. But you, brothers and sisters, you are not in the darkness. So that this day should surprise you like a thief, you are children of the light. You are children of the day. We do not belong to the night or to darkness. So then, let us not be like others who are asleep, but let us be awake and let us be sober. Paul Paul is giving this encouragement that, listen, this whole thing that you're seeing right now, the earth and everything that's in it, it's temporary. It is temporary. This too shall pass is a phrase that we've used a lot. It it is going to pass away. And in fact, Paul is saying someday Jesus is going to return and make everything right. And the justice and the peace and the love that we're longing for deep in our hearts, it will be brought to this earth and every tear will be wiped away and we'll be able to worship the Lord in truth and spirit and it will be amazing. Paul is saying someday Jesus is going to return. And he he tells us to be alert, be awake, be ready for it. I don't know about you, but I've talked about this with with many people. You just look at our world right now, and the Bible says we don't know the exact day, so I'm not making a prediction here at all. But as I look at our world, I think, man, a lot of the things that Scripture talks about that are going to happen in those end times are happening now. And I oftentimes wonder, Lord, are you going to come back soon? What is going on right now? Signs and, and things like wars and rumors of wars and famine and power struggles and drought and all these things that are happening right now, the Bible says will happen in the end times. So all I'm saying is we should be ready. We should behave as children of the light. And Paul says, listen, there will be darkness. There will be hard times. There will be struggles. And so behave like a a child of the light, not the darkness. Don't get caught up in the darkness that exists, but live differently than the world around us. See, there's chaos in our world right now. That's not a surprise to anybody, right? But there was chaos in the world 2,000 years ago, and there was chaos in the world before this passage of Scripture was written. And so the question that we all have to ask is, what does it look like to walk with and represent Christ in the middle of a dark and broken world? 
What does it look like to stand out? What does it look like to be children of the light, children of the day, not blend into the darkness that exists within the world? It's a question that we all have to answer, and I hope that you're wrestling with that question right now. I truly hope that every single one of us is wrestling with that, because if we're not, then we're going to miss opportunities to encourage and point people towards Christ. See, Christians, traditionally, we've taken kind of two different approaches on this spectrum, and sadly, we've missed the mark in many different ways, two opposite ways, in fact. Some of us, we hear passages like this. We know that Jesus is going to return. We know that this earth is only temporary, and so what we do in our minds is we say, well, listen, none of this actually matters anyway. So what happens on earth doesn't matter anyway, so I'm going to just disengage I'm not going to be part of any solution here. I'm not going to actually put myself out there because, you know what, it's not something that's going to last for eternity anyway, so I'm not going to be involved in trying to make anything right here on this earth right now. But the Bible says, no, that's not how we're supposed to act. We can't disengage just because the things that are going on may not last for eternity because they will affect things that will last into eternity. So some of us, we just disengage when we hear passages like this. And others of us, we go to the opposite extreme. And we forget that our citizenship is in heaven, and we get so caught up and so troubled and just not able to even function. And so we're so in the middle of what's going on right now that we forget about eternity and that God has a bigger picture and a bigger plan. There's, there's opposite ends of the spectrum, and what God is calling us and asking us to do is walk on this tightrope right in the middle. Don't check out. Don't say that you can never make a difference or that what's going on now doesn't matter. But also don't give everything you have to the things of this earth and of this world. We have to walk this tightrope that can be extremely hard to balance and walk. And yet that's our calling as followers of Christ. We need to truly value and engage. We need to value justice. We need to value reconciliation. We need to realize that the gospel compels us to to seek to bring God's kingdom here to this earth, but we also need to not lose heart in the middle of it because there will be brokenness and darkness and pain and suffering. And so even as we're seeking to bring God's love and justice and mercy here. We have to have one eye fixed on the present and one eye fixed on eternity. That we get to reign with Christ forever when he returns. And we need to long for that day. See, Paul says, as we encourage one another, it helps us fix our eyes on what truly, truly matters. We need to build one another up. We need to fix our eyes on what matters truly. And then biblical encouragement, third and finally, is this. Biblical encouragement it helps us to focus on what is true. So not just what really matters, but what is actually true. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 15, it says this. Paul is writing to the church in Ephesus. He says this phrase. He says, instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become, in every respect, the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. Paul says this phrase. As followers of Christ, we are supposed to speak the truth, and yet we're supposed to do it in love. And, and I think those, that phrase, those two words, really just boil down. And if we could 
figure out how to do that as followers of Christ, it would be amazing the impact that we have. We know that truth is important, right? Christians know that the Bible is God's word and that it is truth. And, and it is so important. It is so vital. And we build our lives on what is true. But Paul says you can't necessarily use that truth as a weapon and use it to pound other people over the head with to try to beat them into submitting and believing what you believe. We have to speak the truth, but we have to do it in love. Because if we, we, we speak the truth, but we don't do it in love, then people are going to think that we're just like everybody else, trying to, trying to produce an agenda that would benefit us. But no, as followers of Christ, our agenda is the truth of God. And so we need to share it in love so that it can be received by the people around us. You know, I don't have to tell you this, but I, I do think it's important during these times to remind you of this. As you look around the world right now, everybody wants to sell you, and I literally mean sell you in a lot of ways, everybody wants to sell you their version of truth. Everybody's clamoring for our attention, for our, our minds. Everybody's clamoring for us to believe them. You turn on the news, whether it's Fox or CNN or MSNBC or any other news that you read or watch, and they are trying to sell you their version of the truth. You jump on, on social media, Twitter, Facebook, your friends. Everybody is trying to project their version of truth onto you. And you know what? That's not even necessarily a bad thing. We should be informed. We, we should hear different opinions and different arguments. But what I will say is when there are so many different voices trying to sell us something, and compete for our attention, we have to, we have to let the primary version of truth that we consume be God's word. We have to, because it will inform what we can accept and what we will reject. God's truth, his word, written and spoken to us, has to be the lens that we view everything that we see in this world through, because it's the only thing that will last into eternity. And so are you allowing God and his truth to inform the things that you think, the way that you act, the things that you believe, and the, the words that you speak to one another? See, as we encourage one another, the primary way that we encourage one another is with God's word. God's already given it to us. So if you're not sure what to say, the beautiful thing is there is this, the, the Bible, the, the, the word of the Lord written to us that we can use to encourage and build one another up. You see, encouragement, it's both an internal and an external thing. For those of us who are, who are followers of Christ, internally, we need to get with God. We need to open the truth, his truth, which is the Bible. We need to allow it to speak to us. We need to allow it to inform us. We need to allow it to encourage us. That's an internal thing. And as we do that, then we can allow it to flow out of us. And we can build others up. And we can speak truth. And we can speak life into a world that is lost and broken and hurting all around us. And so as we are transformed and encouraged by God's word, then we can encourage one another. We can be the church to each other and to the world around us. So here's the, the application question. Just kind of ponder and think about here on this day. The question is, is pretty simple. Are you following God's command to encourage one another? Are, are you living out this, not suggestion, this imperative, this command 
to encourage one another? Are you someone who regularly encourages and points people towards the Lord in your life? Not just gives them a compliment, not just tells them a few nice things about something external, but actually points people to the Lord to get closer to him by the words that you speak to help them fix their eyes on what truly matters, to help them to know truth, to build them up rather than tear them down. You know, I don't have to tell you that, that it's so much easier to, to be negative or to complain than it is to actually encourage. So it will take intentionality on our part. But the question is, are you somebody who's constantly doing that? And listen, if you're sitting here and you're thinking, I don't know if I can say yes to that, if you're feeling maybe a little bit of that conviction, here's the good news. Let me encourage you because the word of God is not about guilt or shame. So the, the application isn't go beat yourself up and try harder. The application is go receive from God. Repent, which means change the way that you think and change the way that you live. So, so go get with God and change the way that you think. Allow God to transform your mind through the power of his word so that it can flow out of you. It's not a hopeless cause. It's a hopeful cause knowing that God can turn us into people who encourage and build one another up. I, I, I hope and I pray that our church and that the church becomes known as the people who build up, as the people who find hope, as the people who find light, even in the midst of a world that oftentimes is struggling with darkness, that people would look to us as a people of light and hope. We can do that by the way that we live, and we can do that by the words that we speak to one another. So let me pray that for all of us, that we would be a people of hope and encouragement. God, I thank you for your word that it is so true, and yet it is so encouraging. God, I know what your word says about me, even when I don't feel it at times, it gives me joy and peace. So God, would you help us to be a, a family of people that is known by our love and by our encouragement. God, would you help those of us who are fathers to encourage our children? God, would you help those of us who, who have fathers in our lives to encourage them? God, would you help those of us who, who have roommates to, to be the person that encourages and builds them up. God, would you help those of us who are working with other people, not to be known as the person who complains, but to be known as the person who encourages and speaks life. God, it's such a beautiful thing to live life the way that you've called us to. And there's fullness, and there's abundance, and there's joy. There's hope, there's peace, there's love. So God, allow us to, to transform the way that we think and transform the way that we communicate and the way that we love. God, help us to encourage one another. Lord, we know that we need you and your strength to do this. We thank you, we love you, and we praise you for all you've done. In your name we pray, amen.